Welcome to the Feats and Fables 5th Edition Dungeons & Dragons streaming game just for adventurers like you. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Feats and Fables. If you want to watch us live and chat with us, join us on Twitch from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday nights. I'm Paige Lightman, the DM, and I'd like to welcome you to Aglaron. The pastoral nation of half-elves, our heroes are part of the Foresters, elite scouts and rangers charged with defending Aglaron's borders, particularly against undead from the evil fascist nation of Thay. So let's meet our heroes. Our heroes include Victor Toussaint, a human eldritch knight fighter played by Ron Frankie. Good evening. Wildfire, a fire genasi evoker wizard played by Joe Streaky. Greetings. Ross, a lizard folk totem barbarian played by Coda of Kodab Games. Hello. Mira, a water genasi seamount druid played by Dr. Andrew Wong. Well, hello, hello. And Silvio, a satyr College of Eloquence bard, played by Ben Heisler. Bonjour! Previously on Feats and Fables, our heroes were ambushed on the way back to Fortress Glarendar by the, from the cemetery by demons who took over the corpses of fallen foresters. They're hurrying back to Fortress Glarendar to make sure this isn't merely a diversion. In the meantime, Wildfire has scribed a lot of spells. I, have, I don't think so. I think I've only scribed a quarter of one spell. They take a long time to scribe. They do. They do. What was what could have been many hours for Wildfire was 45 seconds for the rest of the group. <laughs> numbers, man. you got to push those numbers up. Yes, yes. I feel like he should roll a con save versus carpal tunnel. <laughs> no, no. If we start, if we start putting those kinds of reality rules into our wizards, nobody's ever going to play wizards. <laughs> reality like... rules, nothing. Paige, I think if we've learned nothing about Aglaron, is the weird time dilation pockets that are going on. I guess. I guess <laughs> they can make six seconds seem like a lifetime. There you go. <laughs> Ooh, it's like that that one you know next generation episode where there were just spots. That were time accelerated or whatever yes, stuff yes. got really old really quickly in them. But like, couldn't you say that about anything weird that happens in Aglaron? It's just like that one Next Generation episode where. Listen, we just draw all of those references, and people I mean, love like, it. You know, yeah. I mean, I yeah. I mean, Star. I like Star Trek a lot. Certain Star Treks, at least. <laughs> so yes. So uh, Brielle Durathil. An elven matriarch uh, is leading you back to uh, Fortress Glarendar. She is. Uh, she said she was feeling a bit vulnerable out in the open. Uh, as you're heading back to Fortress Glarendar, is there anything you'd like to do in the process? What the hell were those things that came from their bodies? Uh, we, uh, those were some manner of uh, infernal fiends, uh, was occupying their uh, their meat bodies, uh, making them dance around like uh, terrible, uh, grotesque puppets. <laughs> How do I kill it? My sword went straight through the damned thing. 
Uh, well, the easiest thing that you can do is at your next opportunity, you should take the Sentinel feat. That way, when they try to fly away from you, you reduce their speed to zero. Uh, <laughs> past that, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think you, good friend Ras, have the uh, best opportunity with which to dispatch them, given that we acquired that magical sword for you. And uh, I have, I'm guessing that they are resistant or immune to most forms of uh, normal damage. So between your sword and uh, those very impressive arrows that uh, our Capitan has, uh, that is the best way to dispatch them. Of course, the natural talents of myself and Mira are no slouch in this endeavor either. Hmm. There were three of them. Two got away. Did anyone catch where they were going? Up, up and away, I believe. Mm -hmm. hmm. Do things like that need to be summoned by another? I mean, usually, yes. Probably some asshole wizard, likely in red robes with a bunch of tattoos. Uh, put that together. Hmm. I am worried about wildfire. Captain, we should move faster. His life may be in danger. Uh, we, all of those paper cuts, uh, we will find him bled out. Just little tiny cuts all over his fingers. We'll be there soon, don't worry. I mean, he is in the middle of an entire fortress, but uh, we will check on him first, I guess. A fortress that we should remind ourselves was infiltrated by uh, some manner of terrible people that uh, already messed up the griffin and something fierce. He could be poisoned by now. That's true. Or cursed. Not to mention a people that is able to summon the undead infested by demons. Out devils? Outsiders. I would just cover all the bases with outsiders or, uh, you know, there we go. That's the best way to do it. So as you ride through the damp, slightly chilly night air, uh, you see the lights of Fortress Glarendar appear from out of the gloom. And as you uh, run up to the front gate, uh, it appears that there's a couple of recruits on guard, one of whom was nearly asleep. But when you get there, they both kind of startle to alertness and start opening the, the main gates for you. We will go inside and try and find wildfire. The gates open. It's a big iron portcullis. And, uh, I mean, it looks like another peaceful night at, uh, at Fortress Glarendar. We will try and find wildfire. Okay. Uh, so where... So here's kind of a, a diagram of Fort Glarendar. Uh, probably Wildfire, Ross, Silvio, and Mira have, uh, individual bunks in the barracks. Yes, I did bring you with me. Have individual bunks in the barracks area. But, uh, Victor, since you are officially in charge of this group, you would have gotten, uh, a, a small private room in the officer's quarters. Where is Wildfire scribing this spell? Mm. There's there's common areas in the in the barracks where you could um, 
you know, set up on a table with some candles and do your thing, pretty much unmolested. Pidge, where were the, where are the, um, I want to say fiends, but that's not it. Where are the, uh, the tieflings being housed? They're actually being housed in the Bailey, where there are some uh, guest quarters. Hmm. They're pretty austere, but they're perfectly sure. adequate. I, I mean, if they'd like, I mean, they're they're compared to their slave quarters. I mean, oh no, these these are great. Like they have a bed with cushions and Ooh. some shelves to put stuff on, and they get water and they get food, and they're not locked in. <laughs> and they have a private door that they can choose whether or not it is open or closed. Luxury. Unforetold luxury, yes. Wait a minute, Captain. Nope. Sorry, go ahead. Well, Captain. Why don't we check the barracks first? All right. Uh, so uh, even though it is pretty late at night, there's still a squad of like 15 foresters out there and uh, they're getting barked at by one of the trainers, and they all look very sleepy, and they look very tired, and they look very put upon. This is not at all unusual. Uh, and you make your way to the barracks without any uh, any problems. <clears throat> Wildfire is in there, uh, sitting near his bunk, uh, dutifully scribing a spell into his spellbook going through all the various mechanisms. Currently, he seems to be uh, trying to master one specific hand motion that is apparently part of casting the spell. Were the tieflings near you? I think you were going to keep an eye on them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I assume that they're, they're all kind of like hanging around. They're, a, a number of them are kind of laying on each of your bunks. Like, they're all kind of laying on your bunks. They all look the most bored in their entire lives, so... That that's a pretty fair description. Mm-hmm. Who among us is most injured? I believe Ras is the one that's most injured. <clears throat> Mira, Mira will gently push Ras, so he's the first to encounter wildfire. Uh, <laughs> I go ask him how his evening was. Uh, wildfire, are you okay? Damn, yeah, fine. And I'll look over to the uh, the bored tieflings. And you four. <laughs> I kinda... they, they look at you and they're playing some sort of card game, but all the cards are marked in the infernal language and they're murmuring back and forth in the infernal <laughs> language. like, And they're passing dried beans back and forth as some sort of counter. They look up. Lindress goes, what? We were attacked out at the graveyard. Wait, yeah, you, you were attacked? Undead, infested with the minds of demons. No, devils. No, outsiders. Outsiders. Wait, which one is it? I'm confused. I kind of look. Oh, man, Ross, you look a mess. What's going on? Undead. Attack. 
graveyard. You're okay. Can you take a brief break? Um, on your in your scribing wildfire, we need to go report this attack. Sure, of course. I kind of start slowly packing up all of my materials, you know, stack all the pieces of vellum, (laughs) have a number of of ink bottles. No one's gonna steal your crow gut. Line them all in the the packing area for the. Bottles of ink, you yeah. If you're traveling with ink, you got to be very careful. They can smash very easily. It's a big problem. I, I hope there's the one scroll that you're just like fanning. <laughs> yes. Fanning. I'm like, okay, I gotta get this guy really dry. You gotta keep fanning it. You gotta blow the ash on it too, and then fan that. Too. Yeah, yeah. Sprinkle, sprinkling sand on a specific script, and then blowing it away so it's nice and dry. Garneau takes one look at that. He says, "I can pack that up if you'd like to." I'm skilled scribe myself. Ooh, that would be most excellent. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Captain, if you don't mind, I'd like to stay here with these four and maybe patch up some of these wounds. Nope, you're coming with us, and so are they. (laughs) Like, you can, like, forthright rolls her eyes and you can practically, like, it's such an eye roll, you can practically hear them roll. And she says, really? Like, we've been here for for days, and it's been fine. How many punctures do I need in my body before you take me seriously? <laughs> yes, I'm not quite willing to go to Ross level punctures, but I've got a couple pretty good ones. They're not spurting blood anymore. She casts her eyes down to the ground and says, well, yes, of course. My apologies. Well, let's go if we're going to go. I mean, are they nonchalant about their situation? Uh, they look more like they've been stuck in Fortress Glarendar and shuttled from place to place within Fortress Glarendar for days now, and it's starting to wear. I mean, in their defense, we did make a pregnant woman climb up to the uh, griffin, griffin roost. I think no less than four times yesterday. So uh, that right there. It's true. So true. <laughs> well, we've established that we're monsters, but we really need to go uh, report this. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Garneau uh, uh, says something in Infernal to uh, Forthright, and she comes over to help. And Anchara puts up the cards and the the beans they were using as counters and slides them into his pockets and just kind of insouciantly leans at the door. Shall we? Yes, we go. I don't know. I didn't say it on the way in, so I'm going to say it now. I'm keeping an eye out on those uh, recruits that are doing drills out on the grounds, just in case any of them accidentally, like, drop their missive to assassinate the scribe or anything like that. I'm actively spotting for assassins. Is, is that the thing you often find yourself doing, Roz? It is. It is. Recently. I, I, I rewarded him by having somebody shoot at him right as he said that. Now he right. thinks it's a thing. Right. I used to have a cat that thought it got pounce treats every time it raised a paw off the ground like that, too. So, I mean, it's just how you train people. It's so where, where where does this feeling stem from in your past that uh, you're very worried about constant assassination attempts? 
Well, you see, <laughs> out at the graveyard, just as we were wrapping up, I let my guard down, but for a moment, and the assassin, it's as if he knew, and took a shot at me <laughs> by this much it missed. Well, I'm glad you're okay. We should We should certainly go report this. I assume you want to report it to Commander Perrin Alistara? Yes. Indeed. Uh, given it this late at night, because uh, it is pretty late, uh, the door guard tells you that uh, Commander Alistara... Actually, no. The door guard would say Perrin's asleep. Uh, is it necessary that I wake him up? We were actively attacked by enemy combatants not 20 minutes ago. The door guard nods and she turns and, and goes to rouse the, the commander. Within five minutes, he's uh, uh, up and is pulling on his pants as you walk in. He has his back to you, to you and you can just see him buttoning up the front of his pants and he turns around. He still doesn't have a shirt on. Uh, and he goes to get one. He's super hairy. <laughs> and uh, goes to get one. And as he does, he's like, we were attacked by who? What? I'll leave the description of our assailants to Silvio. I will tell us then. Uh, we, uh, they were a multitude of undead, uh, former foresters, uh, including one that was a paladin. Uh, he holds up a finger. Describe multitude. Uh, what was it? Uh, five? Five? Four? Four? Five? Ah, someone like that. No, five. it was, uh, it was five. <clears throat> uh, it was four, uh, various archer types, uh, and, uh, one very big plate-wielding, or plate-wearing, uh, big sword-wielding individual. Uh, and not only were they undead, but, uh, after that we discovered that, uh, they were some manner of, uh, fiendish individual that was, uh, inhabiting because as soon as we beat the meat as it were uh this strange red gassy thing came out uh that was not just the you know methane that naturally inhabits the body it was actual creature uh we were able to slay one of them but the other ones uh, got away whoosh uh perrin looks a little confused and then looks to Victor to sort of make sense of this. We were ambushed by evil outsiders at the graveyard as, as we completed the service for the Griffins. So someone with the power to command them knew where we were going and had us attacked. Hmm. That is very troubling. Of course, they didn't have to know where you were going. They just had to follow you out of the fort, though. Uh, well, let me wrap up. That's not entirely true because they would have had to be there. I mean, they've raised out of the ground as we were leaving. So unless they snuck in after us, it seems just it just seems more likely that they were there and wait for us. But I guess it's not impossible that they came later and we just didn't notice. I mean, they could have whooshed into the bodies and rose up, or could have whooshed into the bodies while we were doing the service and then rose up as we were trying to leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't actually remember if I did a skill check to recognize what those were, what they were called. Go what for it. That? Go no for it. Uh, different skills will give you different results. 
Like, like persuasion is going to give you uh, some some really different information than, like, say, religion. What about deception? Can I, I was going to say. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. Do I have enough information to make a check based on all the they have told me thus far? Sure. Uh, here we go. My survey says. I don't know why I rolled twice. Take the first one. Well, I will let his 26 be higher than my nine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Wildfire, you've never heard of them. You don't know anybody who's ever seen one. Mm-hmm. But to you, they remind you of uh, when you were going through the ranks of Infernals. They remind you of a demon called a, a Dybuk. Dybuk. And, yes. And they um, inhabit dead bodies and puppet them in grotesque ways, often uh, to torment or frighten uh, the loved ones of those dead bodies. They are uh, demons, not devils. Uh, so they're really hard to command into into service. You basically have to either browbeat them or have something they want. Mm-hmm. Or know their name, right? Or know their name. It definitely something that a high level conjuration specialist would be able to do. A die buck, perhaps. They uh, they tend to puppet around dead. They're pretty hard to control, though. So whoever controlled them. That's a fair bit of magic, or a fair bit of something that they want. Well, it's a good thing we don't have uh, these Volkir of Conjuration or anything chasing after these tieflings, right? Eh? Eh, buddy? I'm just saying that the the amount of magic used here is notable. That is exactly what is happening, though. Isn't it? Uh, That is the joke, Ross. You are fully caught up on this situation. I don't (laughs) get it. Shouldn't we attack, uh, uh, expect another more direct attack soon? Well, yes. I, I don't know what Faye's got planned, but I've about had it with these fucking tieflings. They're, uh, they're messing up the fort, and we have business and a mission here that ain't got nothing to do with them. You need to take their goddamn asses to Vilprinolar, or Singing Sands, or whatever. No, probably better Singing Sands. <sighs> I'm concerned about going to Vilprinolar, and here's why. Uh, Garneau, uh, if you and yours would... He makes a brusque GTFO gesture, and uh, Forthright heaves herself up off the couch, and they go out in the hall. Uh, Perrin walks over to the door, locks it, uh, and then... uh, activates a uh, small magic item just on the uh, edge of the door. And this is something that you have seen before. It's just a a minor magic item, but it makes uh, any noise coming out of the door masked to make it harder for eavesdroppers. Oh, is it the code of silence? It is not. It just affects the door. Look. But Chief, it is most important that we use the cone of silence because this is very sensitive information. (laughs) It's, it's not a cone, it's a plane. Completely different Euclidean shape. <laughs> plane of silence just doesn't roll off the tongue in quite the same way, I must say. Uh, Perrin says, look, first of all, Garneau could be lying his ass off. And I don't want to spend a lot of troops 
tearing off to God knows where on some wild goose chase. It could be a distraction that offers Thay a entry into the east side of Aglarond. Uh, they're testing our borders already, and our defenses are spread relatively thin. Uh, I am not interested in drawing extra attention to the eastern border. But what? But but everything Garno has said, like everything we've seen, points to the fact that Garno is not fucking with us, right? All the other th there are many other things in that piece of paper for, that was cut from the Thane agent that have come directly true. Do you think it's possible that they thought all this through already and they're doing it on purpose? That's what's, some fucking ninth level dimensional garbage and you know it. What's the thing? Yeah, and I've been on the eastern border for 40 years and that's the exact kind of ninth dimensional garbage we get from these spellcasters who can cast ninth level spells. What's the thing Fair. you think they're trying to trick us into doing? I don't know. I don't even know it's a trick, but it's possible this could be a distraction. For instance, if I sent uh, a, a more senior team of foresters off to Singing Sands to investigate what this is, then I could end up out an elite squad. Now, you know that given your relatively advanced level, there's not too many elite squads that are higher level than you, uh, but they're all very dear to Aglarond. Uh, especially given that every time an Aglarondian soldier dies, they gets another soldier in the form of an undead. Is there one of your other human cities that we could escort them to that they would be safer? I mean, I think what Perrin is saying, Ross, is he doesn't want us to escort them anywhere. We're more, too important of an asset to do that. No. You're just important enough. You're just important enough to chase down this bullshit and see if it's bullshit or if there's something real to it, but not quite important enough that I would be concerned about defending the eastern border without you. Oh, great. So, Excellent. You've got a job now. Take these tieflings, or at least the one that's the problem, off to Singing Sands and chase down whatever he thinks this is that got left there. Paige, can you do me a favor? And do, do you still have a, a map of Aglarond with locations oh, yeah. on it? Because I feel like we as player, we as characters, would be more familiar with these. But sure. I, uh, <laughs> All right. So y'all are here at yeah. Fortress Clarendar. Ooh. And Singing Sands is here. Uh -oh. It's actually out, it's north of the Umber, so it's in a no-man's land that is not Agron, but isn't really Thay either. Uh, it's kind of dusty, high plains. The Singing Sands are actually inland dunes um, that are very high. They're like 40, 60, 80, 100 feet high, so they're very big inland uh, mm -hmm. dunes from a earlier time when there was ocean that far. Um, Velprintalar is the capital here, uh, and that that is definitely a place where you could take them, um, all four of them, because Aglarond is governed by a council of magical spellcasters, of spellcasters, uh, called Symbols, Symbarks, and those are people that can absolutely defend against whatever bullshit they've got coming, 
because they're really far from Thay. And because uh, that's, I don't know, 300 miles or so, 250 miles. Uh, they're really far from Thay, so it's hard for Thay to get troops in without summoning them directly. And the Simbarks don't take kindly to people summoning shit into their city. Uh, 200 miles. Uh, and uh, we've got a lot of magical might there hmm. to protect them. Perrin continues. The problem is that they flat out said that the that Thay's got uh, got agents here. It'd be hard for Thay to have too many agents in a little fortress this size. El Printelar, however, is where the bureaucracy is, and it'd be much easier to get agents in there. And we don't know who's been mm, suborned. <sighs> Another place you could theoretically take them that might be safe is into the Yorwood. Uh, Relcath Foot or one of the other towns in the Yearwood might be a place to keep them safe because the elves and their magic tends to keep out the worst of Thay's problems and it's farther away from Thay. You know, I was thinking that we could like drop them off at like a Mezarin or Dantelion and just be like, here, hang out for a while while we take, you know, the one that knows anything off with us to singing sounds. Is it? The problem with Dentalian, though, is you have to remember that Citadel Dentalian's basically under siege. Uh, uh, Emek, the fortress across the river, fell to the Thaeans years ago, and uh, they are engaged in a border war with it forever. That would be the last place I would take them. Mesrin is a small town. There's nothing going on there. There's no one really to protect them, but if no one knew where they were there... Are we security through obscurity? It is the best way. Mm. I mean, I theoretically have friends in Val. I not theoretically. I have friends in Val Pentelar. They could go stay with. But I, I think we need to bring Garrett with us and go to the Singing Sands and track this down. Otherwise, none of this is going to get resolved. All I mean, right. I, think well, I, I, can, I, I can dispatch a unit small unit to take them inland to Velprinilar or Mezring or wherever if you're taking the, the one that Thay really wants. I think what that's the best option. What they want. And I will turn to them and... They're they got banished. Oh. Be well, sure, I will still say that though. The, the motion stands. <laughs> Perrin looks at Rask and says, I don't give a fuck what they want. What I care about is maintaining a strong eastern border for this country. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, we can't bring all of them with us. This is not negotiable, right? Like, Plus, taking a pregnant woman across the Singing Sands is probably not the best idea. Would not recommend. Captain? I just, I just I hope we're, that our guess about what Thay is interest, interested in is correct. Me too. That's why I don't mind sending the five of you off. I don't like it, but I can deal with sending the five of you off. I'm not willing to put 25 people on it. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying there's five tieflings and we're picking one as the one we think Thay is most interested in. Yep. And ain't one of them uh, the son of a noble family and ain't, uh, ain't the girl carrying... Uh, child of a noble family. 
didn't the letter say specifically they wanted the scribe? At five, I thought we were at like four and a half, four and a quarter, depending on how long she is. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how four that and, four, and a, four and a quarter tops. But it's true that we should act. So I, I believe our, our plan of taking the one with us, the Singing Sands, and um, out of the options, it seems like perhaps having the other stay with Wildfire's friends would be the safest. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to hide in, in obscurity very well, given they are quite distinctive. Well, that's true, but there's more tieflings in Velprintalar than there are in Fortress Glarendar. I mean, there's just so many more people in Vilprintalar. I mean, the other option is take them south. One of the uh, one of the fishing towns will have uh, more more people in it. Delfuntal, and he points to Mira and Wildfire. That's where most of the Genasi are. There's plenty of tieflings there. Plenty of dragonborn too. They're not the the most exotic person there. It's true. They would blend very well there. But I, I'm not sure we actually know very many people to be able to session with. Well, that's where I'm from. Um, I'm sure I could. I, I could. Someone in my, in my family could take them in. And there's military installations there too. With a letter from me, then they can be deposited there safely too. Another option is to take them into Altenbell. Uh, I have friends, he says, and you can hear the air quotes, in Altenbell among the uh, group of free ship captains. Pirates. They're pirates out there. He smiles broadly and winks. Among the group of free ship captains, and I can guarantee you that uh, the last place somebody will look for someone important to Aglarond is in Altenbell. Uh, we, we thank you very much for taking this dangerous journey across the Grey Marshes so that you may seek freedom here in Agalrond. Here, let us send you off to where we send all of the pirate exiles where you can have your new life. I'm just saying that Spandelion is a place where no one's going to look crosswise at a tiefling. Hmm. And no one's going to ask questions. I would prefer not to send them there. Altenbell does seem... A bit far, should we be wrong about our assumptions? I mean, unless we take them, where functionally wherever they're going is far, right? Unless we're the ones who escort them there. But if we are heading to these singing sands in the north, then wouldn't a city in the north be more accurate than having to travel back across the Yorwood. So Paige, what, talk to me about what options we have for getting to the Singing Sands, right? Since we don't control uh, Emmerich anymore, right? What, what are our best, what is our best option for even getting to the Singing Sands? Perrin will answer Wildfire's question. We'll sure. do this in character. Okay, sure. Perrin, Perrin thinks, and he uh, goes and gets a, a large map of Aglaron that is detailed on the northern border from Lake Umber out to Fanglight. And uh, you can tell it is definitely a um, marine map. Like, all the parts of the river are very well sketched out. Um, 
land less so, but like all the snags in the rivers get you out. Sure. And uh, Perrin looks at it and says, well, overland is trouble. You can either take the straight route over towards Tanith Gap and uh, closer on the Mezring side. So he's talking about heading through here. Which means you're going to be in grasslands mostly with small copses of trees. The mountains to your right. It's a lovely walk. Uh, the problem is you're out in the open for anyone to see. If you head to Mezring, I don't know, Helendos Village or something like that, it is an easy walk. There'll be small towns and roads all through there. But anybody can see you. If you want to go the hard way, uh, take uh, go to the northwest through the marshes and then head dead north to the River Umber and then travel along the north side of the Umber. Now, the problem with that is nobody will see you. You've got the cover of the marsh one way, and then you've got uh, some of the, the riparian vegetation on that side of the river on that side. A lot of good little places to hide, even a, a fairly large-sized ship on that side of the river. And it gives you a straight shot to Singing Sands without going anywhere near Emek, which has a uh, full battalion of Thavian forces. Uh, why not just go up through Shivar and up across the river or higher? That way we don't have to deal with the marshes and any Thane mages who might be there. They are relatively friendly dwarves that stay in the pass. It they, seems as if uh, well, it would be a steeper travel, uh, it would be safer. It's and a, it is a lot of uphill. Uh, if you're up for that, then go right ahead. Russ makes a face at the thought of going back into the mountains. <laughs> He's done that once so far, and he did not enjoy it. Didn't work out well for him. It was very cold. <laughs> the good news is, if there is a landslide, uh, it will probably land on our new captain, Stonehand, uh, so that he will not lose <laughs> that, and we will be fine. Mm, I would much prefer either the route through uh, the plains or the umber marshes. I believe we'd be able to move fast enough to avoid any pursuers going to Mezring and hide well enough in the marshes. The, uh, the Thavian patrols usually resupply Emic, either coming directly along the riverbank uh, or going north of the Singin' Sands. Singin' Sands got a bad reputation as being haunted, hard to walk in with the sand underfoot, and uh, full of all sorts of uh, inimical spirits. Either way, we are at some point going to need to cross this river here. And I'll point to uh, the River Umber. Do we know how difficult that would be for the team? Again, not necessarily. If we go through Shivar, we could talk with the dwarves. I'm sure they have a path under it. Plus, dwarven ale and dwarven women. <laughs> Underground, though. It's probably going to be the most defensible, right? Like, it's the least, the one thing is least likely to be watching. That is for sure true. And making contact with the dwarves who are relatively insular and uh, being able to use a secret tunnel like that would be an 
excellent military resource if we could. Can you imagine? Can you imagine moving, I don't know, four companies of troops under that uh, tunnel and then sneaking up behind a Mnemic? We can yep. take it back that way. The only potential challenge there is I would imagine that dwarves will want something in trade for that use, but maybe we can arrange something if we have uh, the right credentials to do so. I mean, I... I also know a few river pilots who can probably get us across in a relatively discreet fashion. I've surveyed pieces of uh, river umber as part of my work, and we're often used to just trawling up and down without really drawing too much of attention. I think we could probably slip in a group of five people pretty easily. I, I can attest. There's plenty of uh, ferries, both illicit and illicit, that move goods and people from one side of the river to the other. I can mark a few of them on your map. Uh, they, we they... Some even leave the Yearwood. Exactly. <clears throat> Not those kind of ferries. Yeah. Well, Victor, what do you think? It depends on how secretive we want to be, right? Because nothing beats the marches, marshes for being secret. Um, Shivar Pass is kind of like a big gamble. If we go there and we can negotiate well with the dwarves, um, they no doubt have a secret passage under the river, but that is a major asset. And whether we could convince them that our scheme was a good enough reason to tell us about it and let us go through it. I mean, the risk is if we get captured on the other side, the Thans would find out about it and it would basically be burned. And they can't, I'm sure they don't have like tons of them. They're um, digging one each week. They they have an excess of tunnels underneath the <laughs> river. They have these amazing infrastructure uh, groups that are just constantly making new tunnels. It's more amazing. But <laughs> your your point is your point is well taken. Uh, or we will actually pull out the uh, the elder cartographer's glossography and uh, ah. consult it, taking into account all these bits of information to try and figure out other than the tunnel, which is a major X factor. Uh, you know, I have to admit, but uh, maybe if we could use this to at least figure out which which of these other options besides the tunnel might be uh, our best. Yeah. So the thing is that I am I cannot answer that question as your DM <laughs> mm -hmm. right. because best is not a quality that I can measure. <laughs> I can give terrible. you miles. <laughs> I can give you risk. I can give you visibility. But best is not a thing I can quantify for you. Are there any of these that are terrible that we should rule out based on the glossography, maybe? Are we checking ratings right. of each of these different options to be like, oh, only one star. We should avoid this one. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. going through the marsh has its own issues. Right? Don't do like, it. Like, so the glossography is going to say going across to Mezring, you're too visible. Going through Shivar Pass is high and dangerous. You might find a tunnel. You might not find a tunnel. It still puts you down on River Umber where you're either going to have to use a tunnel or find a pilot. Going through the marsh is bad because it's slow and it's the marsh and it has its own dangers. The glossography also says that going the western path through Mezring and over to Dantalian allows you to resupply at a friendly fort. You can certainly slip across to Emic uh, uh, with all of the, the people they have going back and forth through there all the time because it's Cold War kind of through there. 
Uh, it says that Shivar Pass is also awesome because it's shorter. It's just fewer miles. Um, and it says that the Umber Marshes are also awesome because nobody will see you move. And there's plenty of pilots that can get you across Lake Umber. I am confident in my ability to guide us back through the swamp. But, Captain, I am bound to serve as you command, so whatever decision you make, I will support. I think we should go with the dwarves, personally. Do you just like the idea of finding out secrets, Wildfire? I think we should go with the dwarves. The, hmm. I do hate the swamps. Wait, did I say that out loud? No. <laughs> don't worry, I was thinking it so loud that I am uh, not sure that it did not escape my lips already. It just gets everywhere, right? It's very scratchy. You know, so. <laughs> well, if we're going to bank on anything, we should bank on Silvio's ability to sweet talk us into somewhere we don't really belong. So why don't we take Shivar Pass? Worst case scenario, we're at least getting across the river the fastest route, and that may serve us well. Um, if we don't get a secret tunnel or some sort of secret passage, they probably monitors the pass, so they'll probably see us, but uh, maybe we can lose them on the river or somewhere. A worst-case scenario, we look up one of uh, Mira's river pilots. Pilots, not pirates. <laughs> some of them are piratey. <laughs> I mean, if things get hairy on the other side of the pass, we can always just dive back into the swamp um, from that side as a worst case scenario type thing. Perhaps. So is there anything we could bring the dwarves that would make them happy to see us? I mean, what do you want? I mean, uh, the wagon full of ingots of mithril? No. A wagon full of ingots of adamantium? No. A wagon full of ingots of gold? Also no. <laughs> what do you want that might be something I could reasonably provide? Mm. Liquor. There's no elven wine I can provide you that the dwarves are going to cut into better than they like their own ale in dwarven holy water. Hmm. Mm. Maybe some, like, jerky from exotic marsh creatures. Ooh. Let's I go mean, back we to do, marsh. Make, we the, do, make the jerky. We do have a lot of alligator jerky. We eat a lot of alligator here. Uh, maybe. I, I make faces at the fact that there's alligator jerky here, but that's just me. What about uh, some of those black dragon bones and jerky? We could say we have uh, slain this terrible beast and we offer it to you as you are powerful allies of ours. Uh, hopefully they will both be delicious and uh, adorn your hall. Hmm. Something we already have. We do not have to, you know, try to figure out a way to make it appeal to them. It is uh, worthwhile and people value it. That's true. We could get it back from the quartermaster. We did harvest those scales and bones, they might be able to make it into something of greater value. No offense to our quartermaster. 
You're not offended me, but uh, I wouldn't tell her that. <laughs> I'd merely say you need it back as you're trying to give it to the dwarves. I mean, short of that, uh, I'm sure that we could come up with some manner of magical item that they would prize as a gift to their lord, but uh, at that point we are, you know, making wild guesses when we could say, uh, you know, this is a rare creature, we have brought you the materials, we know that you are expert craftsmen, and uh, that you could certainly make something of this that is grand and worthy of dwarven craftsmanship. Yeah, the dwarven crafters are second to none, and I hear the the clan mother there is uh, is pretty reasonable. It's a Boulder Tam clan. In that case, I think the only outstanding business is whether we're going to leave you in the lurch. There's obviously infiltrators in the fortress. Um, I feel a little bad just leaving them in your hands. Yeah. <sighs> It might be that we're no longer interesting if their prey has gone elsewhere. Having said that, stay another day. Let's see if we can solve what uh, what we've been infiltrated by. Maybe two. But I don't want to give them an opportunity to uh, scry us or bring in any summoned creatures like these, what'd you call them? D-Bucks? D-Bucks. Is that uh, is that right to wildfire? Yes. So, luckily we do have one uh, thing on our side, and I kind of lift up the amulet I'm wearing. We could put this on our, our compatriot, and so he won't be able to be scried for directly. That might help. Uh, though, if the demon got a hold of who and what you are, then it might be reporting back to the Zulkir of Conjuration. There's little we can do about that at this point. Well then, if we are decided, I would really like to get some of these wounds tended. I, uh, you came in with Brielle, uh, check with, uh, check with Agariel. I think they're around and they can probably fix you up just fine. Uh, you might have to rustle them out of bed, but I'm sure Brielle's already done that. All right, so we're decided. You'll stay here for another two days, try and solve whatever has penetrated the fortress, you have my complete support. Let's keep this between the six of us, though. Probably not good to get out to the general uh, group of foresters. Understood. Especially with the recruits around, I don't want to shake their faith in, in Agbarond. Indeed. All right. Well, I've got fucking paperwork now. Uh... I'll need someone to look at a map of the cemetery and uh, and we're going to have to sketch out the uh, the fight. I can do that. All right. Well, in that case, the rest of you fuck off. You come here and look at my maps. Get those tieflings out of my out of my room or out of my uh, uh, front waiting room. 
Of course. If they're drawing lightning, I don't want it sitting in my lap. I would hate for us to endanger ourselves by having innocence around. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got a job to do here. All right. So with that, he uh, he keeps Victor after class so that they can go over the map. The rest of you are now free to do as you want uh, around the Citadel. So as we are heading out, I will kind of hold back for a second and, and kind of speak with Perrin as everyone kind of leaves the room. It's like, uh, Perrin, do you, do you think it's important that I stay and, and remove the curse on all of the griffins before we leave? I mean, I think uh, Brielle and uh, El- Elgariel probably have that in hand, okay. but uh, I wouldn't turn down your magics either. Well, it's all about timing at this point. We'll see. We'll see when we head out. I know that Lariel is uh, right worried to get them turned around right as fast yep. as they can. I understand. They've. Uh, we actually uh, did a sending back to Velprinilar, where uh, the rest of the Griffin Riders were trying to get the vet to come back as fast as she could and uh, let them know that it's handled. They're extremely grateful to you. Excellent. Well, I'm gl- good to hear. I'll I'll certainly let you know. We'll see what Victor thinks the timeline is going to end up being. I head out. Another room. Victor, question yeah. for you. Do you think we should wait long enough for me to finish scribing this remove curse spell and then casting it on a number of the griffins? Uh, it sounded like the commander wanted us to at least make an attempt to find the infiltrators. So as a starting point, why don't you try and scribe that tonight and prepare for tomorrow uh, to remove curse as many as you can. And I know that the other priestesses were going to also have some remove curses. So it's possible the next day after we may head out um, because when we leave, I'm going to want you to be at full strength. Very well. I will be head back to my bunk and finish scribing the spell. All right. Uh, the tieflings sort of drift back to their rooms over in the Bailey. Uh, what are the rest of you doing? Going to sleep. <laughs> yes, we'll avail ourselves of the healing that was offered earlier, and then we will go to sleep. Sure. You end up having to get Algariel out of bed, and uh, they are... <laughs> They come to the door of their quarters wearing a long robe, their hair held back in a bun, and uh, it only takes them, I don't know, a couple of minutes to uh, cast enough healing spells. How many hit points do you, are you down, Ross? Um, approximately 50. Mm. Okay, well, uh, they could certainly get Ross patched up and back to full health. Uh, Victor is also wounded. About 20 worth. Uh, I think Brielle has enough spells left to get you back to full strength as well. I mean, also, y'all can short rest up to half your hit points and then magically heal past that, because you get half them back tomorrow. Right. So it doesn't all be magical. I plan on doing nothing for the next hour. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, you end up getting healed. Uh, and then everybody just goes to sleep. Uh, I'm going to go check in on the tieflings and see if I can get a round or two of cards in because 
I have not revealed to them yet, but I also speak Infernal and know everything that they were saying before. <laughs> and oh, will be delighted to continue to act like I do not speak Infernal. If properly bribed. Uh, yeah, it's mostly me showing up with some beans and seeing about being dealt in, uh, and then hustling for a little bit before I uh, make, wi make them wise to this effect. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Uh, you uh, you get to the Bailey, and you notice that uh, the doors to their rooms are all cracked open, and uh, they're actually all sitting in one of the rooms, a couple on the bed and a couple on the floor, uh, still playing... Uh, three of them are playing cards. Uh, it's Lindress, uh, Garneau, and Forthright are still playing cards. And Chara is um, writing in a journal. And the room is quite dark. They don't have a light on in there. But that doesn't seem to bother them. I will knock on the door. What cards are those? What, what are you even showing me? Well, they're the only cards I had near me. One's a gift card, so... <laughs> Yeah, for Fandango, which I'm sure is super useful right now in this pandemic. <laughs> right, right. I feel like I should I should I should uh, counter that with a blockbuster gift card, and we can see. Which one <laughs> mm, <laughs> nice. If we're if we're going for useless uh, useless items for 2020, we're going to counter that Fandango gift card with uh, brand new luggage that we mm. bought in December. Yeah, but that's nice. harder to have a hand of brand new luggage. Fair, fair. <laughs> Uh, we'll put that right up there with uh, our reservations for New Orleans over Christmas. Don't, don't, uh, don't fall down that hole of no, no. looking at plans, plans I, I, forgotten. I'd much rather deal with evil fascists than that. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, you just said, what kind of cards are those? And I'm like, they're just regular playing cards. <laughs> uh, you gotta, you gotta be up on the visual gags page. Come on, we're <laughs> visual. I was, I was studying, man. I was studying. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yes. Uh, foreheads kind of peek around the door, and uh, well, Inchara doesn't. He's busy. But Lindress says, uh, "We're we're playing cards. Uh, come on in." She actually stands up and goes to light a candle to put some light into the room. I shall walk in, I shall go to the table where they are playing cards, and I shall put a sack of beans and a bottle of hot sauce upon it. They all three look at you with their eyes, like, kind of wide in shock. Hot sauce? I mean, you can't just have your beans alone, right? I mean, what kind of bullshit is that? <laughs> Forthright looks at Silvio almost, like, a bit pityingly. And says, we're just using them as markers. We don't have any money. But now you can have hot sauce with your markers and beans. Come on, come on. I'm trying to be nice here. I get hot sauce. I'm going to put the beans too. It's going to be part of this fun game I'm going to play and become a better friend. Come on. Oh, sure, sure, says Forthright, gathering up the cards. Okay, well, let me show you how to play this game. And Sheep shows you how to play. It's a trick-taking game very similar to Spades. And uh, they are happy to speak in common uh, as they talk to you and play cards. Um, and Chara is still over in the corner uh, writing in a journal. He kind of gives you a casual up nod as you, uh, as you walk in. 
Um, after after a few minutes, Lindris uh, winks at Silvio and reaches under the bed and pulls out like a pony keg of something that she has uh, has gotten. She's like, uh, would you like a drink? I could not turn that down, but if you are going to offer, I must offer as well, and I shall produce my uh, tankard of plenty, and we'll set it out and say the command word, and it will fill up with three pints of rich elven ale. Or rich elven wine, I don't know. It's it's booze. Free booze! <laughs> like, uh, Lindress actually claps her hands. She thinks that that's a pretty good trip. Uh, forthright uh, just chuckles. And uh, Garno grins at that. He's like, yeah, 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 come on. Pass it around. And they come up with a collection of plates and cups, no two of which batch, but clearly that they boosted from the dining facility. And uh, have a uh, poured out and a toast. And uh, Forthright uh, doesn't put any, she, like, she puts like a drop in her cup. She doesn't actually drink it. And she lifts her cup and says, to Aglarond. And all the tieflings are like, to Aglarond. How we eat Aglarond? So, so you said you you were just gonna kind of let it ride for a while and then lay on the hustle. I mean, my plan is just honestly to just hang out with them and play cards. They don't feel like they're alone here and isolated, and that nobody likes them. Okay. Um, you you can spend a pleasant evening playing cards. Uh, <laughs> nice. Anyone else? But my plan is to lose the beans because he fucking cares. And also to freely give the hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Whether they want it or not. You know, they they actually um they're they're curious about hot sauce. They don't they don't know what it is. They've never heard of it. Oh, he's gonna blow their minds. Yeah, I was about to say I sneak there's Livio immediately sneaks down to the commissary and gets food with which to put hot sauce on because we're doing this tonight. <laughs> it is a big hit. They love it. Apparently the food in Thay is very uh subtle and very delicately spiced, and they've never had anything like this, and it blows their minds. <laughs> Okay, so wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't tieflings, don't they have like a fire resistance? They do. Hot sauce isn't fire. Mm, They're not. Chemical burns. You, it's, sir, are not eating very good hot sauce. If anything, it's upper. <laughs> wow. Kodo, you may have a point of inspiration. <laughs> they have a point of inspiration. If anything, acid resistance would help with it. That's true. That's it's true. Capsation. Come on, guys. I like how Old Slow Tiger 90 is agreeing with us that. Spices are not actually fire. <laughs> I mean, this is a fantasy world, though, so perhaps. That's right. That, in that case, no one should eat it. <laughs> Don't eat the fire. Or, or, do. Um, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through uh, a new night nightly ritual of lo locking uh, Goose into her cage so that she doesn't bust out in the middle of the night and just go rampant in uh, Fortress Glorion. Glarendar, thank you. Glarion is somewhere else. Yeah, uh, Glarendar. Okay, um, she is not super fond of being locked in a cage. What she wants to do is be wherever you are. Uh, which is it resulted in a lot of chewing of said cage, 
And uh, her saliva is extremely acidic, so it's not great. <laughs> I didn't say it was keep her very well, but like, you know, <laughs> she breaks out. I go back and, you know, like put a piece of rope over it and then tie it off and then put her back in. And it's a ritual. Okay. We're it's, getting there. It's a ritual that involves a lot of shed teeth on the floor in the morning. Yeah, well. <laughs> And and eventually we both pass out and she falls asleep in the bed next to me. It's great. <laughs> you go to sleep with her in the cage. You wake up with her in the bed next to you. Yeah, and all of the bedding is just completely ruined. I, I, mean, I mean, just acid acid burns everywhere. Like, she's an endotherm. She's hoping you're an exotherm and probably pretty disappointed, but there's still more body heat together. <laughs> if we were going to be around longer than two days, it would turn into like the freshman prank of freeing the black guard drake out of the cage every night to let it, you know, do various shenanigans. He'd show up the next morning, like wearing a party hat and like crazy outfits and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Her nails painted bright pink. Ooh, there you go. They might end up that way anyway. I haven't decided yet. Uh, anything from Mira, Victor, or well, we know what Wildfire's doing. Scribing like a madman. Hmm. Uh, I'll be a little more cautious than normal, but um, hopefully we'll make it through the night safely, just sleeping in our beds. What could go wrong? Mira will go directly to bed. She is pretty wore out. Fair enough. Uh, so uh, it's probably in the small hours of the morning. Uh, wildfire is wildfire sleeping at all? Uh, wildfire has another four hours of scribing, and then wildfire will fall asleep. So that puts you to bed at what two? Yep. Uh, all right. So you haven't like your head has just touched the pillow. <laughs> Uh, when there is a shriek uh, of human proportion and then a lot of hideous growling roars of griffiny proportion and a, uh, a sounds of a whole lot of disruption up in the rookery. Um, and this is loud enough that a bunch of guards make a lot of noise. There's a bell that's rung, which wakes everybody up. Mira hops up and runs upstairs. Mm -hmm. Yep. Victor will head to the workery as well, confident that his squad will either check on the tieflings or go to the workery. I will go to the tieflings. <laughs> and and luckily, I'm about to go and let, let Goose out when I realize she's already out. So I'm just able to just go straight <laughs> there. Fair. When Rash shows up, we look up from the card game. You're still there too. Uh, probably. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm not the type of person that actually like quits things or stops drinking. So, like, wow. I don't know why I would have left. <laughs> there is not a corn chip left in all of Fortress Glarendar at this point. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, that's just damn right impressive. I, I feel like I pick up one of the tankards. Why is this tankard full of hot sauce? <laughs> We're uh, trying an incantation to see if we could uh, make the tankard of plenty fill up with hot sauce. Uh, 
partially worked. We ended up with a Bloody Mary once, uh, but uh, not quite all the way. <laughs> Something is happening in the rookery. Oh, oh, that's bad. Uh, you all stay here. Can can you even stand? I, you know, mostly. I wobble a bit. So on a scale of 1 to 20, how much has Silvio had to drink? Uh, I mean, probably not that much. I mean, like, probably a 6 or 7. Sure, I'll take a con save. Why, why you gotta do me like that? <laughs> Sorry, Ben. <laughs> you did it, it to yourself. Came back successfully from a fight? Like, this is what he... Like, I see no reason not to celebrate. <laughs> I, I agree. You did I it see to plenty of reasons to celebrate. I mean, the good news is I saw a pants on, so... <laughs> uh, I mean... He didn't say he had a shirt on. That's also true. Uh, con save, you say. Con save, I say. Good thing I'm excellent at this. Also, Tiger also makes a good point. You also never said whose pants you have on. Uh, that's entirely true. Uh, I'm going to say Lindress's. Aha! I'm going to spend my advantage on uh, because I would not like to be too smashed. Aha! 17. See? You're fine. No big deal. What could go what, wrong? Don't know what the problem is. All right, so that is what is happening over there. In the same amount of time, there has been a stir up in the griffery, in the griffery, in the rookery, <laughs> griffin rookery, griffery. I mean, right? Hey, that that totally makes sense. To it me. tracks. It tracks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and um, as you're running up the stairs, you can see where blood, uh, copious amounts of it, is drooling down the stairs. Oh God damn it! Uh, and you get to the top and you find uh, a bunch of guards, which are the recruits, uh, hovering around uh, Lariel Duharlet, who is wounded and cursing and spitting and uh, trying to get to the griffins. And one of the griffins is also quite wounded. Is it the healthy griffin? It is. Mm. One of the healthy griffins. I think you had... Three? Yeah, I believe that's correct. Are any of the other Griffiths wounded? No, but they're either sick, they're either sick and not wounded, or they're healthy and wounded, or healthy and super pissed off. Those are the what? only three type of Griffins you have. <laughs> what happened here, Lariel? I was snoozing. I've been sleeping up here because I'm not leaving, and uh, something came in from the window and uh, got Tiger Feather, and I jumped on it, and it jumped back on me. She uh, uh, pulls her her uh, clothing to the side, and you see um, a stab wound into her shoulder, and you can see like a, a greenish, uh, oily stuff on either side of the wound. Hmm. She uh she does not does not look particularly well. She's kind of gone a cool minty crest green color. I that seems like poison to me. I think you're probably right. They one of the recruits was gonna go get our Elgariel. They're really good with that kind of stuff. Elgariel, I mean, not the recruit. 
So the the thing you jumped on top of was it a human? Was it? How would you describe? Yeah, it? it's a person. Definitely a person. They were wearing um, uh, studded leather armor. Uh, I know that because she holds up an arm, and you can tell she must have backhanded someone because she's got uh, like bruises forming on her forearm that are from studded leather armor. Uh, and uh, they were real quiet, just real quiet. Quiet. Hmm. So they attacked you first? They attacked the Griffins first? I'm not real sure. Uh, I I think it was the Griffin first. It was the Griffin first, and then I jumped in. It all happened real fast. Did they seem surprised they were healthy Griffins? Did they make any noises or talk at all? <laughs> Did uh, they get ambushed by any ring lights? <laughs> <laughs> I was minding my own business, Danny. The, the <laughs> real light was like, it's coming straight for me. Why don't you turn off your camera for a moment and uh, uh, I might do, that do, some, do some engineering yeah, support? Okay. <laughs> Excellent. If it's not one kind of tech difficulty, it's another. And they're all funny at this point. Uh, Lyril says, uh, it was definitely a person, uh, or at least a humanoid of some sort, and they attacked the griffin, and then I got in there, and then they stabbed me, and then they, they just jumped down. Hmm. And that's, that's a far fall. Like, that, that should have hurt anybody who fell. It's four stories. They may have been prepared with something to help with the fall. Sure. Or they might just be naturally skilled. Could be. We should oh. perhaps go see if we can find some traces of them down there. Mm -hmm. They had to have gone somewhere. Had to have gone somewhere, I agree. <clears throat> By this time, Algariel has gotten out of bed for the second time in one night. <laughs> and they're looking a little little, little, little uh, dark circles under the eyes, but they their hair is used to be a neat bun. Now their hair is kind of messed up and uh, they're still in their bathrobe. And, uh, but they go straight to Lariel and like kneel in the pool of blood and uh, start tending to her wounds. I head downstairs. Okay. Yeah, I, you, I will too. You head downstairs to the courtyard. Indeed. Okay. There you are. Paige, if I didn't make it clear, I'm actually staying with the tieflings. Okay. So we could look for traces, and we could also see if there's any recruits that are currently unaccounted for. There's a chance that if it if it was one of the recruits, that they wouldn't have had a, an opportunity to like get back to their bunk yet, maybe? Hmm. Sure. Uh, in fact, with all the noise and the bell and all that, uh, none of the recruits were in the drill grounds, but you can see that the the officer corps of the recruits have come out of the officer's building and are starting to look around, and there's recruits kind of... Uh, clearly, they've been told that they're not allowed to leave the barracks on pain of pain, because so, they're, like, right in the doorway, but they won't step out, and that's traditional that you're told not to leave. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, 
the three. Well, let me show you pictures of them. Uh, not there, but here. Mira will split up the courtyard ground with uh... there we go. Excellent. With wildfire and uh, we're going to look for any trace of what, what fell down here. All right, just as a reminder of who some of these people are, Laryl Hart Duharlay is a uh, woman who is the Griffin Keeper. Yellowin Gwalian is the Smith and Quartermistress, Quartermaster. Brielle Durathil is a Druid and Cleric. Algeriel Moonbow is a Cleric of Corallon who is stationed at the fort. Uh, Claudine Mousselot is the captain of the recruits. She goes out and recruits them. She brings them back. She trains them. She's very protective. Devlin de Tassine is her second, um, who does uh, handles a lot of the day-to-day -day training. Claudine goes way back with Saladiel, the commander at Fort Glarner. <clears throat> and Landian Arbaleste, it is kind of the, the chief of the recruits. Um, they both Claudine, Devlin, and Landian have been with Fortress Glarendar for a real long time. Hmm. So, wait, what's the difference between Claudine and Landian? Claudine is absolute A number one HBIC of all the recruiting options, all the recruits. And she's been that way for years. And she actually goes, uh, is friends from way back with the commander of. Um, Fortress Lerendar, which is Siladiel uh, Brichento. She's an older elven woman. Uh, Landian Arbaleste is the chief, and uh, he basically uh, works for Claudine and Devlin as their guy who gets things done, their expediter. Hmm. I will go up to Claudine and basically ask her if she's done a head count and if all the recruits are there. She looks at you. Uh, she kind of has a, like a terminal case of resting witch face. And uh, like, it, it just kind of looks like she's always sneering. And I that's- look, I that, always look like I get hit in the face with a mace, so. Fair. <laughs> um, Claudine looks at Victor and says, no, as a, as a matter of fact, I have just uh, run a nose count. Well, had Landian run a nose count, and they are all accounted for. They know that they will be punished quite severely if they leave the barracks. So it doesn't look like any of them broke. We did have four of them out uh, with the guards tonight. They have also been accounted for as well. When did they return? They were out with the guards. They came running when the bell rang. Well, I'm glad all the recruits are safe. I am too. I am too. My job is to make them uh, resistant to any dangers that uh, the Yorwood or Umber Marshes might afford, and then to send them off into this world. But while they are my recruit, none may harm them. All right, I'll go join up with Wildfire and Mira. Okay.
I cannot hear you, Mira. Yep. Let's check out this courtyard. Maybe the attacker dropped something or left some other trace that would tell us something about them. Yes. All right. So you start uh, sniffing around the courtyard. Um, wildfire, you're having to summon some sort of light. It's darkish in the corners of the courtyard where there aren't torches lighting it up. There's a lot of half-elves here, so uh, Fortress uh, uh, Glarendar isn't eat up with a whole lot of light. I have a fair amount of dark vision. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'll give you to that. I, it I, in. I didn't remember that uh, Genasi yep. had fire, dark fire vision. Fire Genasi specifically have dark vision. Got it, got it. It's kind of red-tinged. He also have a flaming mohawk, so maybe he does not need a light spell. I mean, just saying. He and just, little, he just thinks he has dark vision. He's <laughs> <laughs> never been dark anywhere he is. So I mean, we've had this discussion before that one time we we're sneaking into a dark cave. He he was like, no, guys, dark vision. And we all just kind of was like, yeah, wildfire, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Zira, on the other hand, will light up a lantern and then okay. do a lot of looking around with it. Enola Holmesing around. Yeah. Um, all right. So you look around in the courtyard. Give me an I look around in the courtyard roll. Sure. I will give you an investigation. I would like to assist. That assist gives you advantage. advantage. Uh, that is true. I'll roll I again I'll because that's my the life that I live. You could get a 27. Or you could get a cat tail in the face. It's cool either way. That's yeah, fine. Cats in the face are a uh, part of this podcast. Aha! Uh -huh. I, I helped. helped. I got to do it. 23. All right. So there's a whole lot of footprints running around in this courtyard because mm -hmm. uh, it is very well trod and uh, most of it is kind of graveled anyway so it's not doesn't turn into a muddy mess when it rains but uh, you, the dew has fallen uh, it, relatively recently and most of the footprints are under the level of dew uh, but on top of the dew you find a set of footprints kind of right where that window where someone if they jumped out that window that's where they would land and uh, you notice that the footprints are really shallow. It's not like um, somebody fell 50 feet and landed there, you know, superhero pose. They, um, it's like they just went, dink. And you can tell this landed there because the footprints dink, start here and then walk over towards the drill grounds and they get lost on a bunch of other footprints. Sure. So they definitely, like, what we do know for sure is they definitely didn't, like, head in a non-standard direction. So it seems like they were moving to join the crowd again, not, like, leave the the keep. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Hmm. I'll point that out to my companions. I think I think it's very likely that the, uh, the person we were looking is still in the keep itself. Um, did any of the recruits have any shiners to speak of on their face? Uh, well, you haven't looked at them, so Let's I was asking. I inspect them. Indeed, we'll, we'll take measurements of the size of the footprints. Okay, it is uh, a person of fairly uh, sizable stature, like at least 
five eight or five nine, and at least a couple hundred pounds, two fifty maybe. So that should narrow it down to some degree. Yes, it does. A minute. One dense person. I said at least. Mm. At least. So I pull up my spellbook page and I will enact ritually detect magic. All right. Uh, um, nothing seems to ping out here that you would not expect to ping. Sure, sure. I just want to have it running when we go talk to all the recruits. Okay. Uh, as you head over there, uh, De uh, Devlin de Dessine, uh let me go to his picture again. So we've got pictures of our people. Nope, not there. Still not there. <laughs> uh, Devlin de Tessine comes over uh, as you're heading to... All the recruits are in one of the barracks buildings. And uh, as you're heading over there, Devlin de Tessine pulls you aside and says, where, where are you going? We're going to talk to the recruits. Why? Victor, could you please face this person? How big is this guy? Devlin? I mean, he's pretty sizable dude does he fit the profile from the shoes yes <laughs> is he is he wearing studded leather that was my next question like more than half the people in this fortress are wearing studded That's leather. Okay. Is that a, is that a and yes, yes or that no. is absolutely a yes that is all absolutely right. so yes. i think we should probably just attack him no all right so i'll be like <laughs> And that, your honor, is how we got court-martialed campaign over. No, Vi Dog. no, Victor, I'm trying to point oh. my boss at this no. person so my boss can take no, no. care of this situation. <laughs> what do you mean? This I... turns into the A-team if we get court-martialed. We can have an entire episode where we are just in court with Victor having to explain his <laughs> actions, and it ends with a beautiful speech about the rights of mankind and how togetherness will be better. I'd watch that TNG episode. And then we get thrown in the brick. So I, the truth. I will um, run interference for my squad. Uh, Devlin, as you are probably aware, the Griffins were just attacked. Uh, we understand some recruits were on the grounds when they got attacked, and we're hoping that they saw something. So we're going to have some follow-up questions. Why didn't you say so? Uh I will, of course, accompany you to help you in any way that I can. But I want to be very clear that no one lays a hand on these recruits without going through myself or through Claudette. Claudine, rather. Very well. I mean, I don't know what you thought we were going to do to them, but all right. I didn't know what you were going to do because your man didn't see fit to tell me. You know wildfire by reputation. <laughs> He was probably going to set something on fire. That's why I'm coming. To stop. <laughs> I I do know him by reputation, and considering I do not need any of our recruits in Fuego, that is why I am here with you. I mean, they gotta they gotta learn what it feels like to be on fire at some point. <laughs> I suppose they do. Tonight is not the night. It's just a matter of time. Ultimately, everyone eventually catches on fire. That's my my experience, at least. Especially if they're around you, my friends. Yes. So Devlin de Tessine, understandably, has a very protective 
uh, attitude towards his recruits. He is often very hard on them, but he doesn't allow anybody else to be hard on them. Only I get to abuse these people. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Do we um, have a working relationship with Devlin? You said he'd been here a long time. Um, you uh, yeah. muted yourself. Oh, sorry. Claudine, Devlin, and Landian have all been here for a long time. You, they, like, they were probably your recruit masters at one point. Okay. So we're we're pretty comfortable with him. That, like, we're, we're probably not suspecting him. So we'll see what the recruits are like. Yep. Does uh, he have any magic on him, Paige? Yes, he does. He has a magic dagger and a magic ring. Okay. He has a magic, you know, three dozens of Omnirod wisdom on his. <laughs> I mean, I'm not putting it past Paige to replace any one of these people with doppelgangers. Well, there's not much we can do about doppelgangers until we march everyone through the I'm sure this isn't connected, but uh, y'all have leveled a couple of times, and I just want to make sure I understand what your passive perception and insight are, and if they've changed. Just no reason. Uh, uh, Silvio, 12 perception, 14 insight. Uh, no, I am uh, 14, 16. Wow. Ooh, fancy. Uh, Mira, 17 perception, 14 insight. Wildfire, 10 and 10. Correct. Ross, 15 and 15. That is correct. However, I will remind you that I am currently with the... Um, I just want to make make sure. Just Actively make sure. spotting for assassins. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Victor, 11 and 11. That's right. I just got a bump all the way up to 11. Woo! Woo -woo. You are badass, man. I wonder if Ross's new dog can, like, scent things. That would be sweet. Ooh, yeah, that'd be He'll nice. be here any minute, I'm sure. So. <laughs> Joe, why are you asking she, me things? She. Why are you asking me things about my new character? So worst. you guys know what? So I have all my roles on roll 20 set to um, roll publicly, which is bullshit when I'm trying to roll things secretly. So <laughs> I'm down to using like actual physical dice. I've never heard ben of them. Wait, How wait, did you wait, get wait. those? Ben, are those ben. from the before time? These are from the before times. <laughs> didn't, you, didn't you chuck all of those out your back door or put them in the microwave or something? Uh, or throw them into the parking lot at Heroic Games. Yeah. Not all of them. Who are you really? Just enough. You who claims to be <laughs> Paige Lightman. That's true. The ones that were thrown into the garden have now blossomed into beautiful <laughs> dice tree. You I mean first dice trees? <sighs> I don't actually throw them in the garden. I throw them over the back wall so they, they land kind of on towards Spalding Drive. Hopefully they'll go play in traffic. That's how That's invasive good. dice trees get planted. It's... <laughs> Guilty as charged. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, sounds good. Yes. Uh, so they march with you. Devin marches with you towards the recruit barracks. And uh, there's a whole bunch of them there. And when they see Devlin, they kind of like start looking really at attention or really not like they're doing anything. And then when they say Victor and, De and uh, Wildfire, they get pretty curious. 
And uh, Devlin says, move aside, let us in. And they do so. And you're kind of in the breakfast room or dining room that's the bottom floor of each barracks. And Devlin, they all look to Devlin to see what's going on. He's like, these two have questions. You will answer them absolutely honestly to the best of your ability. I think Mira's there too, right? Oh, sure. Mira just didn't get up in Devlin's face. <laughs> Mira's taking notes. Sure. Devlin does not uh, really identify anyone who is not directly in his face. Devlin, could we have them all move to their bunks, perhaps, so we can do this in an orderly fashion? He nods, and then whistles, puts his fingers in his mouth and whistles sharply. He's like, you heard the man. To your bunks. And they all start tromping upstairs. The uh, the second floor is like showers and relaxing area, and the third and fourth floors are bunk beds. I follow up after the group to, to kind of start down the down the list here. Devlin, when you get to the second floor, Devlin says, do you want to talk to them down here where the other ones cannot hear what you are discussing? Uh, I was going to walk through the, each room very quickly, and then I'll return back, and I think that's a good strategy after that. We oui. all right. Uh, he pulls up a chair and uh, sits on it, propping his feet up on a table, and uh, takes out his knife and starts cutting his nails. His okay. magic knife? So my intention, uh, Paige, is I'm going to go into each room, look around for a, a couple of seconds, right, just to kind of get a shape of the magical aura of the room, look at all, both the people, get a shape of their magical auras, and then just do that for every single room. Also, okay. I'm looking for anyone who might have uh, bruises on their face. Okay. Uh, you, um, you walk through both rooms, and there are a variety of magic uh, items on various of the recruits. There's probably, I don't know, five or six. In, there's two floors. Mm -hmm. There's probably five or, five or six on each floor. Um, they all are pretty weak signatures, like... You know, Mama's Good Luck Charm and that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, none of them appear to have... Uh, actually, that's not true. Quite several of them appear to have uh, various bruises, bumps, contusions, black eyes, busted noses, and busted lips. Um, most of them look like they've been adequately cared for, and none of them are fresh. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so what... Okay, so then we'll turn down and said, well, we should go group by group. Nothing was obvious. I didn't suppose it would be that easy that one of them was just full of the magic, but, you know, worth checking. Why Why would magic be a problem? I mean, they, mostly? Yeah, yes, well, I suppose. Uh, I do believe we have a couple of these folks that might know a few spells, but it's relatively minor stuff. Sure. I mean, to make it down from the top of the tower, they will need to know something like Featherfall, which is a very simple spell. Mm -hmm. Or they could be a monk or have similar training. Right, or have a small trinket that would grant them that. I mean, I do not I do not wish to uh, to challenge you, dear Capitan, but uh, the height from which the griffins are to the ground, that takes uh, quite a bit of levels to, uh, you know, swoosh on down, right? I am wrong, but I know a little bit of everything. <laughs> I mean, or, or to get up there would be hard too. 
That's true. They did have to get up there somehow. Well, Devlin, bring down the first group. So, so just so I understand, everyone is here except for Ross. That's correct. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, That's Ross correct. is with the tieflings. Yep. Did we want to talk to all of them, or did we want to talk to the four that were? Because they were all accounted for in the barracks all night, except for four of them. Is that right? Four that one patrol. That is my understanding, yes. I have no uh, intelligence that someone was out of the barracks. Why don't we start I from there? would find it um, unlikely, hopefully, that uh, one of them was out of the barracks. We can certainly start there, but I do think it's probably worth talking to all of them to see if they any anybody saw anything unusual this evening. Yep. Um, all right. I can bring them in a file at a time. A file is six soldiers. Is that how many is in a room? Is a file? No, the rooms are uh, the rooms are like one big open mm, room with just sure. stacks of bunk beds. Gotcha. I think I might have a map of it. Like full metal jacket style, right? Right. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, I can show you a map of what the barracks looks like. Hang on, just a second, just so you have an idea. Well, while our DM loads, I will remind you that I am on high alert, and like, if if combat were to break out, that'd be a thing. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Goose is with you, yeah? Ross, Goose is with you, correct? Uh, yes. I want to make you a star, baby. <laughs> We got no, we got no page volume. Just hang on a second. Let me get this picture uploaded. I thought I had uploaded it, and I was wrong. Anyways, magic. Um, so, Silvio, uh, I, I think perhaps you should talk to them. Um, I mean, I would be happy to do as such uh, and see what we find out. And I'll set them on fire, and then we'll know. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. I think perhaps we should put them through the uh, Nadirian column before we set them all on fire, but... Uh, uh, you know. Yes, I mean, if you wanna... Mira's just watching... Just... Oh, go ahead. Mira's just watching Devlin's face as we say these things. <laughs> I mean, the greatest challenge is that uh, if there is actually a doppelganger, they have the ability to not only take shapes, but to tell what people are thinking. Uh, and that could be very challenging to uh, dance around as far as lies and uh, investigations. That is true. That's what the Nidarian column is for. Howie, the column <laughs> always knows. Is that is that really the is that really our goal here? Ooh. I mean, we've only got a day, right? So I thought we had two days. I mean, I think we're. It, it would be ideal if we could leave the day after tomorrow. Uh, Paige, I just realized something I should do. So I mm -hmm. will head back out to the footprints we found on the ground and I will summon forth Wow. Did I really forget my familiar's name? Hewitt. Hewitt, thank you. I will summon forth Hewitt uh, using the magic of fine familiar, transform Hewitt into a weasel and allow him to Ooh. sniff around the area. Superior weasel, and then return with my scentful weasel. Do they have keen smell? Is that they do have keen hearing and smell? 
Wow. So, I'm glad that you said that, Joe, because we, after you said it, I had to dig back into Unearthed Arcana. And <laughs> surprisingly, I can't find, so I might m have missed it somewhere, but the Beast of Earth does not have an innate like scent tracking. It does have a relatively high perception and dark vision, but yeah, no. Have an innate welcome to Earth that you get to any time an alien crashes on Earth. And what? Ooh. <laughs> All right. Uh, here is what the barracks looks like. Let me let me orient you here. Um, from the top-down view, it looks like three buildings that are snugged up against the south wall of uh, Fortress Larendar. The second, the first floor. This is the first floor. Uh, there is uh, dining rooms. There's a stairway at the back that goes up to the second floor, which is recreational areas and baths. And the third and fourth floors are just uh, six stacks of bunk beds. So each barracks houses 24 soldiers. We oriented? Yeah. Okay. Later. Yep. Sounds good. And each set of three bunks is a file. So it's three bunk beds. So six beds is six soldiers is a file. Sounds good. So, so what are you doing? We're ready to question and sniff the first file. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, can I sum up? Yes, please sum up. Yeah. You, you question them. Everybody says they were in the barracks. Not everybody in the barracks saw everybody else in the barracks at the same time because inevitably somebody's in the pooper or taking a bath or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, but most, most of them were sleeping. And so they didn't understand anything. They don't know anything. A few of them have minor spell talents. Like they may be able to cast a cantrip. Some of them might be able to cast a first level spell. There's one of the very enterprising archers that can actually cast Hunter's Mark. There's apparently a cat in the barracks who is unhappy. Mm, that happens. I'm tired of being mm. uh, But, and, and they, many of them have like small, faintly magical trinkets, like something that would give them a minor magical effect, like advantage on one roll a day as a good luck item from, from their mom, who is also a forester, or something like that. Very trivial stuff. Um, and none of them know particularly anything. They all seem a little intimidated. Hmm. What about uh, the ones that we know that were outside when everything went down? Uh, none of them had a clear view of the uh, tower when it happened. Uh, like none of them were in a position where they could see the front face of the uh, rookery when it when it all went down. So none of them saw anything climb up. None of them saw anybody climb down. Uh, and uh, they were all alerted to the fact that there was something wrong when Lariel screamed and the Griffins made noise. And one of them was one of the ones who went over and rang the bell that something was happening. Hmm. But her first indication that anything was wrong was Lariel screaming and the Griffins making noise. Okay. And, and I assume... Uh, it. Yeah, does any do any of them set off Hewitt? Do any of them like have yeah. a similar sense to those foot tracks? So 
probably, I'll get there. So sure. probably about 30%, maybe 20% of the recruits are of a size and stature where they would wear a boot about of that shape and size. So right. it doesn't narrow it down terribly much. Um, Hmm. When Hewitt comes back, he can make me an I am a super smeller role. Sure. Uh, I will give you... What's the best way to do this? Perception? Yeah. With well, sure, but I gotta roll his perception. Just slash roll 1d20 plus... Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. I gotta go find the window one second. I mean, the other problem is if he has keen smell, it's at advantage. So he rolls it with advantage. Also, I kneel down and I gently... <laughs> You've got this, my friend. <laughs> what what specifically Did you does that just give him? Inspire the weasel? Yeah, I'm sitting there inspiring Wildfire's weasel. I mean he's in there, he gives him like a tiny little like shoulder massage. Like, him champ. He's the hardest working member of this group, I'll have y'all know. But like would he use it for our benefit? Of course. He's very invested in our story. He's our biggest fan. No, Dan Goyette is our biggest fan. That's fair. And he's on fire tonight, apparently. Whoa! Uh, Woo! All right. Are you using inspiration on any of those, or is that your final number? I mean... I mean he has advantage already on... Yeah. I understand no, no, that. Add, you roll oh, sure. Uh, I mean, like... You you uh, I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't spend it, so I will add this amount. That's right, 24. Yeah! <laughs> so, um, so... Excellent. <laughs> this, this was not a thing I planned for, and Joe, you may... <laughs> you know what? Everybody gets a point of inspiration. <laughs> uh, because I, I was really smart, and this is not a thing I planned for. Um, no plan survives contact with the players. <laughs> exactly. Oh, there we Fair enough. <laughs> You've got five times as many neurons as I do working on Are inspired weasels. Indeed. Fair enough. Uh, so Hewitt is like running around underfoot and there's several other familiars here. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the folk of Aglarond are, are keen to take on uh, beast friends from the wild. So there's like some celestial owl or fey owls and there's a fey raven and there's you know a couple of fey frogs and some uh, little fey hopping rats and all kinds of stuff running around as well. And, and you know, fey weasels, you would like all the familiars of uh, Fortress uh, Glarendar kind of hang out anyway. They've got a mm -hmm. coffee room somewhere. So they're used to having a variety of uh, vermin underfoot. And uh, so uh Hewitt is like going in and out between shoes and sniffing like, you know, in people's beds and going into the box of, that they keep at the foot of their bed and digging around and going out of the box like a ferret in a ball pit. <laughs> and um, finally, uh, he comes and like, it looks like he's confused. Like he just hadn't found nothing. Hmm. And he comes and he kind of starts crawling up your chair to mm -hmm. get in your lap or whatever. And then he goes and turns around and he looks at Devlin, who's cutting his nails still. Hmm. And then he looks, bum, he, bum, he looks at you. Bum. He looks at you. He looks at Devlin. He looks at you. He looks at Devlin. He looks at you. <laughs> I love it. I think clearly that's where we end for the evening. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's 10 o'clock. Howdy doody. That's it. The weasel says... 
that should be our episode title is the weasel says <laughs> all right uh thank you all for joining us on this adventure Ooh, i need theme music hang on let's get some theme music There we go. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us on this adventure. We'll have the video up on YouTube and the audio in places you get your podcasts around midweek. Please, if you can, follow us on Twitch. We have like 42 followers, 41 followers. We only need not nine, nine more, nine more. Mm -hmm. uh, subscribe on YouTube, support us on Patreon, like us on iTunes. All of these things will really help us out. You can find us at Feats and Fables on each of these platforms. Roll20 is our virtual tabletop. Our music is by Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com as served by Roll20. This music can be licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Our maps are made in Incarnate Dungeon Painter Studio, Campaign Cartographer, and I think that was it for tonight's maps. We'd also like to like I'd like to shout out to all of our listeners and supporters, in particular, uh, Dragonslayer19, who I believe is in chat briefly, and Erskine James, who are Patreon supporters. Uh, we'd like to thank particularly Old Slow Tiger 90 who is a dear friend of ours, for chatting with us in Twitch and everybody else who is there, as well as all of our Twitch followers. Thank you so much. Shout so, out to Kurgosh. And Kurgosh, he's... I, I said Daniel Goyette is our number one fan, but it, it, I think Kurgosh ties. I think <laughs> Kurgosh ties. Please join us next Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time to see what happens next and follow us to the adventure. adventure. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. I fixed Woo! the audio issue, by the way. Now they can hear the music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What a finale. <laughs>